my name is Raya Puridi and this is a podcast called E-Conversations and I'm thrilled to have a remarkable guest with us today. So she's a trailblazer in the non-profit sector bringing 17 years of experience and a passion for transformative change. Here we have Ms. Urmi Mankar who's the head of strategic projects and partnership at Swadhar. So Ms. Mankar, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Great to be here with you. Okay. So Swadhar initially started as a startup and you've been a part of this co-founding team and executive team. What were the key challenges that you faced in that phase and how did Swadhar overcome those? So I think for us, uh, the initial journey of Swadhar was very interesting because when we set out to um, start Swadhar, it was back in 2005. Uh, the environment and the financial services ecosystem was very different. Uh, microfinance was something that was just picking up as one of the new buzzwords in the development space at that time. Uh, Mohammed Yunus and the Grameen Bank had shown that you could lend to a segment that did not have collateral by using the idea of social collateral. Uh, but there was a very strict uh, system that was followed in order to make this work. Uh, and, you know, elements like groups of 20 people, weekly meetings that were regimented down to where each person in the group was supposed to sit. Uh, and so there was a lot of... Um, when, when we looked at setting up Swadhar, uh, you know, there was something that was already happening in the sector. There were many, many, I think there were at least three other startups that I remember meeting in the same time with Jeevan, uh, Janagraha, um, uh, Bandhan. These, these were all, uh, uh, you know, organizations that were starting up around the same time. Uh, for us, we sort of took a step back and said, what are the gaps in spaces that people want to address? And we felt that urban customers were a gap that no one was really looking at as a separate person with a very separate set of needs. It was, you know, people just saw this segment as very homogeneous, like we would just apply the same model. And so we said, let's let's set out to do this in a way where rather than place the process at the center, we place the customer at the center. It was a, I would say it was a fairly a bold move really in terms of the fact that you know we were really trying to do something that was different we took we had to uh, it took a lot of convincing for funders to look at the kinds of processes we wanted to build in uh, but we set out to do that and uh, you know over that period of the five to seven years we innovated with uh, small groups of three not 20 like the Grameen model had we did doorstep collections on a monthly basis uh, for loan repayment so we didn't ask people to you know we said this urban customer is out all day uh, working five jobs most women are so busy they don't have time to sit in weekly meetings they don't necessarily know 30 people around them to form that sort of group so we said let's look at a very different system uh, we had a lot of challenges we had 30 percent delinquency in our first year um, uh, in terms of really being able to test out what this is, but we were really able to build this by 2009. We had close to 200,000 clients. We had individual uh, loans for micro enterprises, something that no one else had really done for that segment, you know, loans in the range of 15,000. We gave loans uh, almost like credit card consumer loans. So a salaried uh, housemaid who wants a loan to pay her children's school fees 
टिपिकली माइक्रो फाइनेंस लोन ओनली फॉर ऑन्टरप्रनोरशिप और बिजनेस डेवलपमेंट बट नॉट एवरी वन वॉन्ट्स टू सेट दैट अप सो वी लुक डेट ऑल्सो लोन दैट वो लाइट कंज्यूमर लोन सो आई थिंक वी वर्क प्रिटी मच यू नो वी वी सेट आउट टू सेट्स लुक एट थिंग्स वेरी डिफरेंटली एंड डिजाइन आर प्रोडक्ट्स एंड प्रोसेस विद दिस आइडिया ऑफ द कस्टमर एट द सेंटर वी ग्रो मच स्लोअर दैन अ लॉट ऑफ अदर ऑर्गेनाइजेशन बट आई डू फील लाइक इट्स अ वेरी वेरी वैल्यूएबल एंड वेरी इंसाइटफुल जर्नी फॉर ऑल ऑफ अस इन अंडरस्टैंडिंग दैट साउंड अमेजिंग एंड द नेक्स्ट क्वेश्चन आई हैव इज हाउ डू यू फील दैट योर बैकग्राउंड इन आर्किटेक्चर एंड अर्बन प्लानिंग हैज शेप्ड एनी ऑफ द डिजाइन एंड इम्प्लीमेंटेशन of the initiatives that swadhar has that's a good question you know every time i tell someone that my background is in architecture they always have this look on their face of like how did you end up here uh but i think what uh, when i look back what a design education also teaches you is uh, a a very clear way to identify problems uh and a way to think out of the box almost there's a sequential approach you take to here's my problem statement here are creative ways i want to try and address it uh, and then how you know when you look at how you design a building you look at your concept we always had this idea of a thumbnail sketch can you uh, can you put your design into a one one by one inch sketch the idea of it and i often apply that to saying can i can i do my you know it's like the elevator pitch for any project like can i say what i want to do in three sentences without any jargon um so i think for us at swadhar because we set out to almost take this disruptive approach that resonated a lot with this idea of uh you know creative design um and again this uh, every time you look at design you're always thinking about a person's experience through the space how do i feel when i enter this how do i feel about shadows and light in a space how does how does a space make me feel and similar to that when we looked at product design for financial products we we talked about you know what is that customer uh, doing how does that customer spend her day where is it convenient for her to uh, wait and make the payment and so i thought you know there were a lot of parallels that actually i think rather than having studied finance i think uh, and, and now um if you look at concepts of design thinking and human centered design i really feel like it's the marrying together of a design education and uh a, you know a very creative approach to solving social and developmental issues and so i feel like that was probably in a way happening a little bit in my head and in our approach yeah. here already yeah i <clears throat> i agree with the fact that you know when you learn something i think it's the way of thinking rather than the content that absolutely so i completely agree like a lot like i was told that i should take physics and i was really like are you sure you know but then um i realized that it teaches me a really rigorous way of understanding things Absolutely. and solving stuff yeah. so yeah yeah i completely agree with that okay so mumbai is a diverse and a dynamic city what are any of the key lessons that swadhar has learned from operating in this environment and shaped their approach to urban microfinance i think for us uh Mumbai initially the choice of the city was because a lot of the founding team we were based here uh it was a city that a lot of us were familiar with and understood uh, but i also think i mean one could not pick a more challenging uh it's a bit like you know when folks say when you learn to drive in india you can drive anywhere in the world uh i think it was about 
picking an op uh, picking a space where when one talks about an urban customer and the challenges of uh, you know urban life you i mean nowhere is it more uh, pronounced than in a city like mumbai um we began um as we began we also realized that uh people in the mumbai slums also dealt with a very unique um a set of challenges where uh you know for example i remember uh, uh when we were doing income analysis for one of our early customers they paid uh rent of almost 2000 rupees a month for a 100 square foot uh house in the urban slums and if you look at rental rates that's actually close to double of what you might pay in ahmedabad i remember comparing it to what a friend paid for an apartment in ahmedabad at the same time so you were dealing with people who had very little access to any formal resources whether it's civic resources financial resources uh, or or any other kind of you know welfare uh, resources but at the same time they were grappling with uh with very high costs with problems of density uh and there's always you know it's fascinating how that mumbai spirit comes through people you know it, it is a little bit of a cliche now but this idea of saying you emerge from this context of you know uh, multiple challenges with still this positive entrepreneurial spirit of we will make this happen there's a great deal of ambition and this drive to really just make your life better focus on your children and their lives being better and i think mumbai was a very interesting place because it was sort of the coming together of a lot of this for us mm, definitely so the next question is what innovative approaches or technologies do you see shaping the future of microfinance um i think what's been most interesting in india and like for me when i look back to to that time in 2004-5 to today uh the revolution because of this what we call the jam trinity which is the jandhan accounts uh, mo- uh mobile banking digital banking through mobiles and the aadhar card which you know created identification you see now that 80% of the population is banked by the definition of having a bank account which is phenomenally um high for a developing country uh, especially if you compare to almost any other similar markets um and the idea and what upi again has brought to uh, us in terms of truly that that bank and the entire network of financial services being in the palm of your hand uh, i think in terms of that like that technology uh, and access to that uh not being limited to certain sections of society but truly being uh, available to almost every person who has a mobile phone and bank account i think that has very much changed the landscape of financial services in india and our own work at swadhar um has focused a lot uh, on uh, training people and helping them understanding this but i think again within the microfinance sector also the idea of the small finance banks a lot of mfi entities have now mm-hmm. uh, been licensed as banks which allows them versus earlier to incorporate the idea of savings and so what earlier we struggled with was we gave credit but um, yeah, we were not able to give customers an access to a savings account or be able to balance mm-hmm. your idea of saying keep saving and 
your credit pay repayment actually just comes automatically out of what you save. Uh, that is an option now that the microfinance entities and which are now most mm. of them are small finance banks are able to give. So I think really that coming together of the digital ecosystem through uh, instruments like the UPI and uh, the regulators taken a very um, a very active and I, I almost think a very future forward approach in doing this. Mm. I think the microfinance industry also has really evolved over the last two decades now to become holistic financial product providers, which is very different from giving only credit. Mm. Uh, whereas if you're now able to offer a bouquet of products that start really with basic savings and then credit really becomes layered onto it, um, it also allows them to um, you know, be very uh, almost innovative in the kinds of credit products you can give. So when you combine credit with technology, I'm on an app, I might be, you know, I might need an emergency loan. I have good credit history, so I'm literally able to go to an app and after five clicks, I can access maybe a top-up loan or an emergency loan of 5,000 rupees because I'm a good customer, I have good repayment history. So I think it completely changes the sort of mobility and access that this uh, underserved, previously, you know, highly underserved customer can get. Hmm. Uh, so you had talked about how around 80% of the people in the country are banned, which is amazing. But when I was like, when I was, I mean, when I worked here for a while, I read that most of the people who do have bank accounts, a lot of them are dormant Absolutely. and people don't operate them. Why do you feel that people still have a need to use cash um, rather than use their bank accounts? Absolutely. So uh, I think this is very true. And when one starts to look at the vast sort of segment of population that is in rural India, I think when you look at urban centers, the story is a little different with much, much higher access and usage. Uh, in in a lot of Swadhar's own work in rural and more remote districts, what we've seen is that close to only about 30% of those accounts are actually actively used. And by active, I mean even, you know, just about once a month. Uh, because then you start to address, you know, you, you uh, there are issues of just simple geographical distance, lack of mobile phone penetration. Uh, most families will have just one smartphone that's shared, you know, taken with the husband. Most family members don't have access to that smartphone. So there's a lot of different layers actually to access and many additional barriers then I think that one sees come into play as you start to look at some of the more uh, remote areas. And I think for those customers, uh, if you compare them, if I compare a woman from a rural household to a similar, you know, person at a similar age uh, in an urban area, she's the, the rural person is actually starting off almost 10 steps behind mm. in terms of first being able to uh, access, access uh, exactly, I mean, even start to bank uh, more carefully, uh, basic KYC, linking your bank to a phone number, uh, using a bank uh, because the bank branch is too far, often they have to use bank through BC agents or mm. customer service points. Um, if they are illiterate, literacy again is a big issue. So I go to the BC agent's office, but I, uh, uh, center, but I'm not really sure what I'm doing there. So often women will say, "Hamne paisa de diya, wo bhaiya ne dal diya, unhone kya hi hoga hamen bharosa hai." You know, you're yeah. you're putting a lot of blind faith and trust into a person 
rather than a system mm -hmm. because you are challenged by literacy by geography by just sheer access and so i think yeah. there's there's uh, and while these numbers are huge uh, i think there's a lot of work uh, still to be done you know i one of my favorite statistics is the upi transactions if in in august this year we uh, crossed 10 billion upi transactions in a month which is a global benchmark at a scale no other country has ever seen but if you look at it the percentage of our population that made those transactions it's is very, very small yeah. uh, and so it's uh, you know while we're we're crossing uh, uh, great benchmarks there's still a big big problem still to be solved and a lot more people to actually bring onto this uh, this very sort of exciting platform and access. Definitely. I think because today morning I actually opened my bank account. Like I got oh, my own did. debit card yeah. and I started operating it and I linked it to my UPI. Oh, that's so I excellent. Find it, I yeah. find it very interesting that you're saying that. Yeah, like it took me 10 minutes to do it because it's not that hard and right. because I know about it, it's exactly. much easier for me to do it than a personal yeah. household who doesn't yeah. know anything about what banking is. So yeah, definitely, I agree with that. Um, okay, so if you had to recommend one book that has had a profound impact on you, what would that book be? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> it can be any um, kind of book. It doesn't have to be about um, I would say, actually, you know, one of the things I go back to a lot is um, when I started, when I, when I sort of made the, uh, made the shift from... Uh, uh, from architecture into social studies and when I first started working in microfinance uh, there's an interesting book called the portfolios of the poor and yeah. I think uh, we had chatted about this earlier too uh, it was one I think it was pathbreaking at its time to really start to say uh, and, and again the same idea of saying let's not look at poor or someone in that segment as a homogeneous uh, uh, entity but really starting to say let's let's pick apart what that person is as a customer, what does it mean when they take decisions, how do you actually uh, understand their lives, their resilience, their ability to face something and how they respond to, uh, you know, to victories in their life, to shocks in their life. Uh, so I think it was one of those first things where, and it resonated a lot with uh, helping me articulate some of what we were attempted attempting to do at Swadhar around the same time. Uh, so I think that was probably one of the books that was also quite uh, uh, interesting because it, it took a lot of what was happening both in the sector for us at the organization and for me personally and sort of uh, brought that together. So I think um, I, I, I actually need to go back and read it again uh, and see if, if any of that feels uh data you know in light of the digital revolution now i think that was that was sort of pre some of that yeah. uh, but i think it would be interesting would love to hear from you also later how you yeah, felt actually, about uh, it i love the book and um i was talking to someone else recently and we were talking about how so he owns a, a micro a micro housing finance company so right. they give loans to right. um, people for homes and he said that you know what traditional banks do is they look at each customer as like Every customer is the same person, like mm. a person. They don't mm. look at each customer as their own story. And what their firm tries to do is they look at the story of the customer. Absolutely. And um, when they look at the story of the customer, they try to structure the loans around that rather than looking at every person as the same. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, yeah because, and even in that book, um, like I read, uh, 
each story that was there, everyone was so different. It's not that the person is the same. Low income group can't be one umbrella right. term that's used exactly. for everyone. So yeah, definitely, I completely agree. And the last question I had was, if you could collaborate with any global leader or personality on a project, who would it be, and what kind of project would you envision? Uh, that's a that's again a very I'm also spoiled for choice. Uh, but this was one of the conversations uh, I was actually having with my kids, who are uh, one is a teenager, one is an almost teen, and talking about I think young people. uh working um in interesting spaces you know um like a say a malala who has uh done so much around creating visibility around issues but i think the kind of energy that young people are able to bring as again custodians of the future and being able to you know, most of our customers when we speak to them uh women from almost any background when you ask them what their dream is the first thing they all say is a better life for their children i if you ask any mother i think anywhere uh, typically uh, or or any family will always say they want to create a stronger future at a larger level you know creating a better stronger future society uh, creating adequate resources so i think in terms of personalities i i i can't think of any one person or this but it would be young people in communities uh, one of our community workers at swadhar is the only she's a young woman of 22 who's the only college graduate in her village uh, she became a community volunteer with us and i think raya you interviewed yeah. her actually uh, and it was something that really stayed with me to you know how they can become influencers how everyone in rural india is on social media making reels uh, watching them and how we can really harness that intersection of social media and young energy to make that change and to help catalyze and drive some of that change so i think that that would be my choice definitely i completely agree thank you so much those are the only questions i have so thank, thank you, you so much thank you lovely to chat with you thank you